Welcome to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. I'm Jacob and I am a Christian. Yes, and uh, you're wearing an Adelaide Crows jumper, even though the football season is well and truly over. True, it's my like warmest casual jumper, and it's kind of cold out there today. Like not jacket cold, but yeah, yeah, cold like the season the Adelaide Crows just had. Oh, oh. no, they were all right. They were they were lukewarm. They yeah, were, yeah <laughs> so, but, which is not necessarily a good judgment, but. Better than the season before. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. yeah take it. How, how have your sports teams fared recently, Jamal? Oh, well below expectations. But, um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's uh, some things have to keep you humble in life. This is know? true. I, I actually have a friend who says, um, you know, everyone has to have something that really keeps them humble, and he's a St Kilda fan, so oh, he's just perpetually... Yeah, very humble. Perpetually very humble. There was a great shout-out to the Facebook page, Useless AFL Stats. Um, give him a, a like and a follow if you... Yeah, just do it. They had a, a meme of how old someone would be if they were conceived the last time their team won a premiership. <laughs> and yeah, there were some good ones there. Some grey hairs in the St Kilda corner, definitely. Yep, no, I imagine. But we, we are not here to talk about AFL football. We are here. Oh, Saint, to... St Kilda, Saints, that kind yeah, of yeah, like. Okay, yeah, there's okay. a, there's yeah, a crossover. Yeah, yeah. There's demons in there. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> What are we here to talk about today, Jacob? Well, we're here to talk about kings and kinging and and empires and countries and so on. Because why not? Why not? Because, um, Jacob, a very topical question for you. How often a day do you think about the Roman Empire? About seven times a day, I think. Do you actually? No, not really. I I have to imagine everyone's lying when they give answers that are more than like (laughs) once a month. Because like... Like other than uh, more than once a month, yes, but I don't. I wouldn't think it's a more, daily concern. I, I, I don't think I. Ever I was think having about an, the Roman Empire. Well, I was having an in-depth conversation with someone the other day about railway gauges of all things, which go back to the Roman Empire because that was the size of a Roman road and rah 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 rah. Yeah, rah. I I legitimately, other than listening to a history podcast that happened to do an episode about Rome uh, this past week, I don't think I have thought about the Roman Empire all year. Excellent. Well, now that we've lost the entire <laughs> audience, um, I've, I've got a question for you, Jamal, which is what is, in in your view, what's the ideal form of government? <sighs> um, something, so again, I, I probably care less about the form of government and more about the results the government produces. Okay, sure. So I am, you know. So you're a utilitarian when it comes to governments. Yeah, broadly, although I'm not inherently pro. So I heard an interesting comment once that um the, I, I think I've said this on the podcast, that, that China and the CCP is a massive utilitarian experiment. So That's I'm true. not inherently pro utilitarian outcomes, but I am, so like my ideal outcomes are not inherently utilitarian, but I'm utilitarian yep. about the ways that government function to support the outcomes that I wish government to Yeah, the important achieve. thing is that they get to the outcomes, yes. not necessarily how they're structured in order to get to the outcomes. Yeah, and then maybe yep. some of the outcomes are in the process, right? So, like, you know, I'm broadly egalitarian. I am broadly pro, uh, you know, people in society having equality of opportunity and equality of outcome and equality of, you know, uh, you know life. And so, and so is, is that your... Is that your kind of political outcomes, your desired political outcomes, flowing from your Buddhism, or the two just kind of intermix or I, something? I, I we're, we're coming in a very long-winded way around we, to, we to the question. Yeah, yeah but um, no, I, I, I think it is. Um, 
Well, I, no, I think they intermix. Like, I, I don't think my political uh, opinions are formed out of my Buddhism. I think I was very political as a child. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the very first outing I went to out of the hospital was to a, a women's rights rally. So, you know. Um, w- it stuck. Was, was in yeah. it from the, gra- from the, <laughs> from the cradle. Um, and, um, you know, I think I, I spoke at a massive protest when I was like eight years old or something. So, you know, I've uh, been, been political for a while. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think my Buddhism just kind of complements it and probably, you know, I am drawn to Buddhism because of the types of values that I hold politically. Well, so, okay. That's interesting. That wasn't where we were going to necessarily go. It is a ramble episode. Um, so yeah, so your, your kind of, your politics led you to your faith in some Sense. I mean, oh, whether you can I, describe I, I Buddhism say, as a faith. I wouldn't strictly. say my politics led me to my faith. I think my politics led but the to one my is worldview. prior to the other. Yeah my, my, yeah, my politics led to my worldview, and my worldview, I think, allowed Buddhism to manifest as the kind of the the most reasonable and kind of spiritually valid faith that also aligned with my worldview. So to, to what extent has Buddhism then shaped your worldview subsequently? Or have the, have the two not really, has there not been a back as well as a forth? There, there absolutely has. And I would actually say that Buddhism has somewhat moderated my worldview. So I, okay. you know, to, to the shock horror of nobody, um, I'm, you know, have traditionally been pretty left. Yeah. Um, you know, I in my early 20s, I would have classed myself as a kind of, you know, as an anarchist, but probably a more kind of, uh, you know, n- not the kind of libertarian style anarchist, but very much the kind of, you know, socially... A collectivist. Collectivist, an- yep. anarcho-collectivist yep. kind of type, yep. yeah. Um, and so, you know, I certainly have moderated from that position, um, and I think Buddhism has actually had a fairly big role to play in moderating me from that position. I think um, Buddhism has, um, has certainly allowed me to see the value and the um, the kind of the truth in other positions. And mm-hmm. it's certainly made me much more accepting of other people's positions. And I think Buddhism has also uh, let me kind of have more of an acceptance of the world as it is and look for ways that I can contribute to changes where possible rather than a kind of ideological, well, the world should just be different and mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of be very aggressive in my pursuit of that difference so it's kind of like almost not necessarily more realistic about the impact of your change more pragmatic maybe is a is a word yeah but also less like what i'm what i'm hearing strangely given the kind of nihilism that sits around buddhism is less of a well the whole thing needs to go in the bin and start again Mm. yeah and, and and i think that comes down to a lot of the the kind of the, the almost the apoliticalness of Buddhism, right? Like, but Buddhism right. is very apolitical. It, it it really almost advises against getting too involved in politics because politics, you know, kind of distracts from the Dharma and distracts. Shout from, out to the Dalai Lama, but yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but so yeah, um, yeah. so, and I think it's it's almost like because politics is an attachment. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think the Buddhism probably showed me some of the futility of politics and mm-hmm. some of the ways in which politics can actually just be the perpetuation of dissatisfaction and the perpetuation of um 
you know, of craving and desire and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I, I end up probably caring a little bit less about politics yeah. than I used to in a good way. And I think that's moderated my views out. Yeah. Mm. Cool. So you, you said there that Buddhism is apolitical. And I, I think I'd broadly agree with that. But if you were to flip that around and look at Christianity, would you would you regard Christianity or you can pick another religion of your choice, Taoism, Islam, whatever, are, are all religions apolitical or is this a curiously oh, Buddhist thing? Absolutely not. I think all religions are not apolitical. I mean, I think Islam is deeply political in that it has teachings about how to run the state. It has a law, right, yeah. like embedded in the yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, Christianity is political. Jesus was a political radical. I mean, yeah, I think I've mentioned this before, but like, you know, crucifixion was reserved yep. for political dissidents. Jesus yes. was a political dissident. So um, I would say Christianity is quite political. Uh, and, and even in its more modern forms, which it's probably more associated with the conservative side of mm -hmm. politics, it is probably quite political. Um, so no, I, I think there are lots of religions that are absolutely very political. I mean, how do you see Christianity? Do you think it's political? Oh, absolutely. For in, in much the same ways as you do. And I think it's probably that there would be parts of Buddhism that are political, I would think, in a similar way to that there are parts of Christianity that are political today in that kind of conservative... Um, that there, there isn't the same maintenance of institutions within Buddhism as there is within, you know, particularly, say, Catholicism or that kind of thing. But they're kind of the, the holding of a traditional view or that, that kind, of, kind of classic small-c conservatism. Um, so that goes on in the church today. But I also know like a lot of very progressive Christians who aren't like if you if you did an overlap with your average secular progressive person, there would be points of commonality and points of difference. Like a, um, certainly, I I know very few politically progressive Christians who are pro-abortion. Right, like they might be okay with abortion but you know wouldn't be going yes this is a, a really good thing that we must have lots of mm. um but yeah like jesus was radically political in the way that you in the way that you've outlined and yeah so so what then well i, I was going to ask what's your favorite type of political system but maybe a better, a better question to ask is what is the most christian type of political system well see i i reckon that in a lot of ways liberal democracy is an inherently in in the form that we have it the modern form that we have it is in a lot of ways an inherently christian system and i can't i like this might just be my like bias right and my blinkers because i've grown up in a liberal democracy and i'm um you know as, as a white middle class guy one of the people who is who benefits from the kind of status quo system that we have certainly in australia at the moment but um the the way that liberal democracy treats the inherent dignity of people and, and actually even even sometimes to its detriment gives everybody a voice and a vote and the, the ability to have a say in politics. Like I, I studied political science at university and knew some lecturers who were very much in favour of having less suffrage and limiting votes to people who in their view actually deserved it. So, and, and that's kind of a Christian thing to me, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and that's really interesting. And, and you know, we're finally getting around to the um, to the, the thing that I we're think only we, twelve minutes in. It's fine. Twelve <laughs> minutes in, we're we're finally at the thing that I think we were aiming to talk about today, which is that I I don't 
inherently agree with you there. Um, yeah. So I think I can get behind your thought that liberal democracy may be one of the more Christian political systems when you look at Christian values. Right? Sure. When you look at what are the things that Jesus taught and what are the things that if you take the essence of what Jesus was teaching and you build a political system about that, then, yeah, giving suffrage to the poor and suffrage to people who are outcast and are treating people with equal dignity and respect, that makes sense, right? Terrific. Yeah, cool. It doesn't, though, feel like the most theologically Christian political system. And for me, I think I did this as a throwaway line previously, which is why we, why we brought it up as a, as a topic for this conversation. But for me, I actually think that something along the lines of an absolute monarchy embedded with the concept of the divine right of kings is actually a more Christian form of government, uh, at least from a theological structure, at least from a sense of what I understand the Christian teachings to be. So can you talk me through that theology of, of how you think it gets there, particularly when, as you say, like if you're building a, a political structure based on kind of Jesus's teachings and, and kind of way of operating in the world, mm. you probably wind up with something that looks quite different to a authoritarian, you know, divine rule. Yeah, and, and to make it clear, if we're being, you know, it, we're granting all the premises at, to Christianity here and we're granting the assumption that the divine rule is kind of done in the right way. So it's, a, it's definitely a benevolent dictatorship yeah, of a yeah. king. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially it comes down to hierarchy, right? It comes down to the idea that Christianity theologically is super hierarchical, right? There is God and God created everything and God is always right. And, you know, like, you know, all of us mere mortals are just running around trying to interpret what God <laughs> might have meant or something. But at the end of the day, there is a single truth and that truth is set by and understood by God. And, you know, we are all just kind of, you know, attempting to to be closer to that. And, you know, and Jesus did a particularly good job of that, you know, sure. given a special relationship with God. Um, so if you think about that, it's, it's, it's a very, you know... Maybe you want to say that there's like one entity at the top and then everything else under that entity is equal, although I don't think you'd even say that. I think you'd go one entity at the top and then at least Jesus, if not a few other of the prophets and other holy people and then everyone else. And, and you'd certainly put like humanity above non-human creatures. Right, instance, exactly right. right. Yeah. So yeah, and so it is really, really hierarchical. And so if I think about the theology of going, well, you know, we have to assume the hierarchy and assume that God mm -hmm. is at the top of the hierarchy, then I mean it follows that the most efficient and reasonable and kind of politically salient way for God's will to be meted out in a political system is for God to pick one person and give that person all of the authority and all of the right to speak and to run a country in the name of God, by the will of God, in the way that God wants it to be run, and that that person... Uh, you know, again, the divine right of kings, right? That the uh, call it the king. That king has God's authority mm -hmm. to then be out in the world to do all of the things that God wants them to do. Um, that makes sense, right? It's just concentrating all of the power in one person makes a lot more sense than trying to disperse the power amongst well, people that 
or we're all going to have competing interpretations of what the will of God is. But see, I, like I'm not, I'm not convinced that that works. Except like, possibly in if, if you're outlining an ideal scenario mm. where you can have a benevolent king who like, but like, in order to in order to have that. Don't you need to have someone who knows the mind of God perfectly? Well, unless God, I mean, I'm pretty sure God could make that happen, right? Like, I'm pretty sure God, like, again, but so, the, but the, we're, but then assu- the, we're assuming here, we're assuming sure. here that that the king has got the divine right of kings, has been anointed by God, and is kind of imbued by God with special privileges of understanding but, in order to be able to to be yeah, benevolent right. and do things in the right way. Yeah, yeah. But but you're assuming there that that's what God wants to do. That God wants to anoint somebody with the divine right of kings and empower them to rule in that way. And I, I don't know that that logically follows or theologically follows within Christianity, given what we know of God or, or what Christians claim to know of God. Right? So so why would God want the conflict of democracy? I don't know that God. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good question because I don't know that God would want the conflict of democracy, right? And, there, and there's a certain kind of um, Hegelian, like, synthesis, uh, sorry, um, thesis, antithesis, synthesis that kind of goes on in democracy, right? Where you have one idea and, like, the opposition opposes it and eventually you have a dominant idea and everyone agrees about that and you move on and it's challenged by something else and, and so on and so forth. Um, I, I don't know that... I don't know that God's necessarily on board with that, and I like I don't think so. So maybe maybe this is where you're right because maybe in eternal life, heaven, the the new creation, um, it is not the divine right of kings, but just the divine right of God. Yeah, where, yeah, like, like God, God is, the, is the ruler, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and and actually, if you read the um, the eschatological bits of scripture, like the bits that are looking forward to yeah. the new creation, they're all like, and God will reign, and nobody will be challenging God, and God that'll is all the be king lovely. Of kings, right? Yeah, yeah. God is the appointed ultimate monarch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so look, may, maybe from that perspective, yeah. And I, I don't think that God is a fan of the conflict of democracy per se. But I think that God is a fan of human agency. Like that, to me, to me that is look, the, sure. the best explanation of sin in the world, right? For but, instance. Ooh. But but I'm not I'm not sure that a good benevolent monarch takes away human agency, right? Again, we're, we're making some wild assumptions here, and we are assuming that this monarch with the divine right of kings acts in a way that is entirely in line with God's wishes. All right, like, I mean... Right, but but this gets us, like, knee-deep into the question of evil in the world, right? Because if if we're assuming that this person isn't taking... that this ruler isn't taking away human agency, then unless... like, unless everybody is just good you're going to have, like, law enforcement, right? Like, you're going to have to have prisons and this kind of stuff, which is coercing people and and limiting their agency in some way. Sure, but you're also... I mean, you you have that in democracy as well. Oh, absolutely. I'm not not saying... Like, I'm I'm agreeing with Churchill, right? That democracy is the worst form of government except for all the other forms we've tried, And and, and so maybe there's a kind of blended... You know, kind of blended Westminster-esque system you can have here where 
you have an absolute monarch that still, you know, can overrule everything and probably has much more involvement in the day-to-day running of things than the current British monarchs do. <laughs> um, but, you know, they could be supported by a parliament of people with elected representatives where, you know, you, you can kind of have people's interests being you know, represented to that monarch as in an, in an advisory capacity or in a kind of, you know, you know, yeah, I mean, like one person can't actually run an entire country without So you're saying you've got a presidential democracy? Well, sure, but, but the, the point being that the president or the king in this case, I think, needs to be appointed by God, needs to be... So the president can't but, be elected by the people, right? Because the people don't fully understand the will of God in the same way that God does. But so how how do you know that that person's appointed by God then? Like well, if, if it, I if I but, just but, but, walk because, out there now to the Woden Town Square because we're granting premises uh, because we are assuming that this is you know the, uh, we're not talking about which system in the world is in reality the most Christian. We're talking about what is the hypothetical most Christian political system you can have. Yeah. Okay. But like. There's an extent to which, like, as a Christian, right, who is sort of, I'm, I'm not granting any premises sure. here, right? Like, you're, you're jumping into my world to, for this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that, right? But like, the 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 ideal Christian political system has to therefore deal with the world as we find it, because like, and that's that's in a sense that's what politics does, right? Like, it's a it's a way of seeking to kind of understand and structure society and and deal with our differences and everything else in the world as we encounter it not in some ideal world some some utopia like literally a no place where everything just works as it should and so in the in the absence of like like presumably as a christian like i'm i'm granting that god exists and can do whatever god wants and god has decided not to make it obvious to us who the divinely anointed Secretary General of the UN ought to be? Sure, like God the, hasn't done that, I, I, so I therefore, that's a cop out. That, 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 what, why is that? Like it's it's, it's 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 an argument to say, well, just the world as it is is exactly how God intended it to be. So there's no like, I, but but your argument is that well, if God wished to make it really obvious to us who should be the ruler of the world, then God would make it really obvious to us. And and the fact that it's not really obvious to us, therefore, suggests that God has decided to not do that. Which is a really Jesus-y thing, if you think about it, right? Like that, that God sends a Messiah who doesn't look like the Messiah, right? Like, sure, but, but how do you know that God has decided not to do that? How do you know that there isn't someone around there that is the divinely appointed king? We've just not made them the king. Well, that, that's entirely possible. But if we've not made them the king, it's because God hasn't made it obvious enough. Right? Sure. I, I, yeah, like, look, I, I get your point. Um, I think, yeah, and, and maybe we're coming at it just from different angles, right? Sure. Because I, I think I, I understand your point about you know, the, the kind of the process of discovering God is part of God's approach, right? I, I understand that. I think I just keep coming back to this idea that, and actually, well, here's what it is. Maybe yeah. maybe I am applying my kind of um, utilitarian approach to government to thinking about a religious government, right? Right. So I'm thinking about what is the most efficient way for a government to enact the will of God, onto mm-hmm. the world, right? Mm-hmm. And in that scenario, when you have a known truth that is a singly, you know, singly set thing and somebody could hypothetically know the whole thing. So, you know, 
I'll grant all the premises to the Catholics for the moment and go, the Pope is actually in communion with God and actually has a phone line they can call up at any point and go, hey, God, what do you mean by this? I'm not convinced even the Catholics officially believe that anymore, by the way. Sure. We'll grant the 12th century Catholics the, the floor. Um, and um, But, you know, so, so in that kind of version of the world where it's a kind of theocratic monarchy yeah. where, you know, you go, yeah, uh, you know, one person just can directly ask God all the questions they need to ask and they'll just do that and then they'll come come back down and say, hey, by the way, God told me this and here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and maybe I'm thinking more about efficiency of government than about kind of the other layers to it. Um, so, so maybe that's coming into it. Yeah, yeah, and, and like I'll, I'll grant that just for a moment to run with like the the – two closest biblical examples of this right one is like king david right like the 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 greatest king of israel in ever like the star of david still on the israel israeli flag um and he becomes king when the people are like they're, they're speaking to the prophet who for the purposes of this, this conversation, they know has a line with God, right? Like the, the, to Samuel, the great prophet. And they're like, we want a king. And he's like, no, nah, dudes, you don't want a king. And God actually talks him into it and says, hey, look, if they want a king, we both know this is a bad idea, but we could give them a king, right? Like, So the, the very idea of, of kingship within Israel is embedded within this. Well, actually, God didn't really want you to want want you to have a king, but he gave in to you because you really wanted one. And and the other example, even earlier, is Moses, right? So Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and he gets the Ten Commandments carved in stone by the, the finger of God itself carves the Ten Commandments in stone. And he walks down and discovers all of the Israelites, while he's been up there in communion with God, getting the Ten Commandments, have set up this idol and bowed down to it and worshipped it instead of worshiping God. And he gets so mad about this that he drops the commandments and they crack and he has to go get a new set, right? Like, this this is just, like, it's people. Come on. like And, and for, for reasons best known to God, that, like, God deals with people in this way. And, and so, well, so, to, th- so this is yeah. the thing, right? Maybe... Maybe the divine right of kings system isn't the best system for teaching people what they have to learn, the lessons they've got to learn to actually properly live in line with God's teachings, right? Like if you accept the premise yeah. that humans are fallible and they have sin and you you want people to learn what they've got to learn to get there, then I can see why setting up a system that allows humans to fail and realize they're failed and come back to things and, you know, try again and, you know, grow, I can see why that's a good thing. Um, Yeah, and I guess maybe I'm thinking about going, well, maybe I'm thinking about what you're dubbing as the new creation a bit more, right, which is, yeah, Mm -hmm. how how would, how is the best way to make the world exactly, you know, what is the quickest point from A to B? What, what, what is the best way for us yep. to take the world as it yep. is now and make it into a world that is actually just completely in line with God's teachings, right? Yeah. And the quickest way for that is a benevolent dictatorship that just tells us what to do all the time. And like, and, well, well, no, the, the, the quickest way to that is a benevolent dictatorship that tells us what to do all the time that we're okay with. Yes. 
And like, and that seems to be the hang-up because to come back to you... I mean, I mean m- most people who lived in a monarchy for most of history were pretty okay with it. <laughs> but look, look, that's that's broadly true, but most kings who ruled monarchies for most of history weren't exactly benevolent, so swings and roundabouts. Sure, but if they were okay with the ones that weren't, how, how okay would they be <laughs> with the ones that were? Well, yeah, there, there's all sorts of interesting hypotheticals there. Maybe we need to like go and find the best medieval European king that ever was and see how closely this approximated the kingdom of God, right? Like, cause to, to go back to your earlier point about like if, if there is this one governing truth within God that like the perfect government will be in tune with and will reflect, like if that is love kind of however we spell that out, like that that actually like you can't command that. You can't like have a divine fiat that says thou shalt love. In fact, it, like God does say thou shalt love. Like Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, right? Like, but, but you can't coerce that. Like you can force someone to act as though they loved someone else, but you can't actually make them not resent you for doing that, right? Like, and, and I think this is what you're talking about with the new creation is that all the stuff that isn't love will have bled away in a way that it hasn't yet, like in a way that's not not realised now. Yeah, or or that you know, or that the, the world will be as such that the people that are still needing to go through the process to get there, you know, that then they're able to do that in such a way that that doesn't limit the ability of those who are already there to do to be there. Well, and and I think the yeah, so so we're like knee deep in like life after death within Christian thought at the moment, right? Because to to use that language of like the people who need to still process not being in the way of the people who don't anymore, right? Like that like that kind of heads towards some form of of hell, right? Like that if if you grant that there's one life only and not a reincarnate cycle or what have you, it's like the the people who kind of wind up in communion with love and not being disturbed by those people who are still deciding, actually, you know what, I, I just want to love myself or I don't like whatever. Like for them to not be disturbed by those people, those people need to not be there in some way. Well, not necessarily. Go on. Well, I mean, I mean, like, I, I think my understanding of Christian love is definitely to love people who are less than ideal themselves, mm-hmm. right? So, I would argue that you need, you know, to use very Christian language about this, it, it, make, yeah. it, it, it makes me feel a little bit icky. But anyway, um, <laughs> we'll wash you up. Yeah, <laughs> um, we, you need sinners in order to love the sinner, right? Right. So, like, you know, for the for the Christians who are completely with God's program, they do need people in order to... They, they need sinners around in order to love them. They just need to not be prevented from doing their godly things by those sinners. Yeah, that's... Well, that's like that's interesting because, uh, like, the classic, at least Lutheran Christian position on this is that, like, we're simultaneously saint and sinner in this life, sure. right? With the idea being that at the end, the saint bit wins and the sinner bit is the kind of like washed off, is left behind, as it were. And I I don't know, I I would have to go and think about this more. But my gut response is that 
love the sinner is not a kind of command for all eternity, but it, it's a this life sure. thing. Yeah. Um, but but it does raise the interesting question of like in the new creation, are there going to be people with annoying habits? Mm. And it's just we're we're not going to we might feel annoyed, but we're not going to get annoyed at them. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I I honestly had never thought about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I'll still be there to bug you about um, <laughs> spiritual relativism in the new creation. He's like, oh, why is he still here? Um, <laughs> As a spiritual relativist, you just get to inhabit all of the different. <laughs> Correct. Welcome to my multiverse theory of spiritual relativism. It's great. Um, I, so, an interesting question then: if if you hold that a liberal democracy is the most Christian, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming you hold that some form of liberal, you know, that our version of liberal democracy is, you know, pretty close to something that is. Yeah, it, certainly, it's, it's certainly of the things I can imagine. Yeah, and, and yeah. certainly within yeah. God's will for things to be like they are now. Do you do you also hold then that the leaders of those liberal democracies, no matter who they are and no matter their political persuasions, are all kind of in effect appointed by God? That oh man, we're getting into so many different Christian theological rabbit holes right now, right? Like it's almost like we have a podcast that yeah, deals with theological rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so like we're getting into what's now called a theology of vocation, right? Which is a theology of work, which is the idea that um, actually, kind of whatever it is that you're doing, God has appointed you to that in some sense. Not necessarily in the sense that. Kind of God decided before all time that in 2023 in Australia, Anthony Albanese would be the prime minister, right? But in the sense that as Anthony Albanese is the prime minister, God will work through Anthony Albanese as the prime minister. And and he could, like, he can resist God more or less, and we all resist God more or less, right? Like, he can do a a better or worse job of discerning of asking the question, well, how can I love God and others in the way I prime minister? Um, but that that's just a different version of the same question that you might ask of how well can I love God and others as a public servant or how well can I love God and others as a school teacher or as a, like, you know, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, like, I think it's not just about the person in that role, though, right? It's about everyone else in society because uh, yeah, I think the nature of politics and political leadership is that the head of state uh, or at least the leaders of state mm-hmm. are they, they have an outsized impact on everybody else so it's yeah. not just God is working through whoever happens to be the Prime Minister of Australia but also that the Prime Minister of Australia has impacts on everyone else and so god is in effect responsible for those impacts on everybody else right if 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 the system is such that god intended it Mm -hmm. then does god have a certain level of responsibility and a certain level of ownership over the effects of that system but i mean that's just the same question in a different guise of is god responsible for a tsunami right like if, if God has structured the world as a system as it is and a tsunami happens and... Well, it, it, except a tsunami you can argue is somewhat, you know, if you want to argue that the planet Earth and the way it functions is a creation of God 
kind of, you know. I think, Absolutely, I want to argue yeah, that. Yeah, so then, yep. sure, you can argue that, you, yep. can, you can argue the tsunami thing because, you know, tectonic plates move and you could say, well, God moved the plates and whatever else. Like, yep. human, or at least God set it sure. up so that the plates yeah. would move, but, like but, however you want But the impacts yeah, yeah. of politics is so much more embedded with human autonomy. And I think you, my understanding is you do believe in human autonomy, right? Yeah, to so, an extent, sure. So you believe both that God created the system that puts the leaders in place and you also believe in the human autonomy there so well, well we could say that like god created the the humans who have that system right? sure like, but, the, but, like the, the system is fallen like the whole creation is fallen right like the system is is not perfect yeah, and, but, and, and that, but, but that in still, fact, is a benefit of liberal democracy, right? Because you have balance of powers, right? You have an independent judiciary and you have a parliament and all of that so that one person's stuff-ups can't be that bad, although we're having some interesting experiments yeah. with that well, at the moment, well, well, right? Except for the fact that, like, at the end of the day, God could very easily set up a different system that is, you know, quote-unquote better at, you know, aligning the world to the way God wants the world to be. So God needs to then take response. Yeah. But the, but the question for that, though, is like, would, would we do that system? Would we get on board with that system? We'd like, do. as people? Like we, yeah, well, historically we have. We, sure. We've always gotten on board with monarchies. That's, that's like most of but, human but, history. But monarchy, like, I'm, I'm arguing that monarchies aren't better. I, I'm, Mostly I'm arguing, because of the checks and balances of power thing, because well, I, 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 it's a I sinful argue, human king argue, or queen. Well, yeah, I would argue like, monarchies aren't better because the kings haven't been completely in line with God. Right, and, and the prime ministers aren't completely in line with God, and which is why there's, which is why the checks and balances that exist in a liberal democracy make it a better form of government because it, it deals better, in my view, with the problem of human sinfulness, including the human sinfulness of the prime minister, bless his cotton socks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you're you're assuming a kind of you're. I, I think you're giving God less control over the world than I'm giving God. Okay. Yeah. I, I think maybe that's what we're coming down to. Right? Well, and and I, and I think that this comes down to kind of my interpretation, at least, mm. of the truth that is God. Like that. That in order for God to love and be loved and all of that. God necessarily has to be less dictatorial than God might otherwise have, have chosen to be. Sure. Yeah, I, I, can, I can get that. Um, may, maybe I have less of a... I don't know. I, maybe I'm more concerned with the problem of evil than you are. Or may, maybe there's a sense in which, you know, I... I, the way that I'm I I'm not would... unconcerned with the problem of evil, just for the record. And <laughs> sure. we can go down that rabbit hole another episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. but I, I, think, I think maybe where I'm getting stuck is very much this idea that I kind of go, if God knows a way of living that is... Essentially, I, essentially, I would prefer bliss to autonomy is maybe what it comes down to, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would prefer for myself and for others... If there is truly a way of living that is in line with God that is so much better than the way of we're living now, I kind of don't care about learning the lesson. I kind of just want to get there, <laughs> right? Yep. That yep. like that I think you know learning the lesson might be all well and good, but like that's you know it, it's learning a lesson is you know it's it's doing a it's doing a it's doing an all black puzzle, right? Like it doesn't change much mm-hmm. to yeah. The process is so irrelevant compared to the outcome in that scenario that it's like i just go well like what's the point of the process if realistically the all, all the whole point of the process is to get you to the outcome if you have a mm-hmm. shortcut to get to the outcome mm-hmm. just get to the outcome and i don't know that i would have necessarily 
described it as a process, right? Like, and and I think I'm running to the limit of my brain's capacity sure. right now for that. But like, just the 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 question that strikes me there is, well, like, what if that is just the way, right? Like, and and I see now you're a Taoist. Well. Yes and no, right? Because of the interesting conversation that early Christianity has with Taoism, right? Because the the followers of Jesus in the Book of Acts, like, are called the followers of the way, yeah. like in, initially, um, and like it's especially if we look at what God goes through in Jesus, like the whole crucifixion thing, and like like if if that is God's plan A, and that's God's kind of best idea for how to do things like then maybe the the process that we're on to use that may like maybe that is just the bless, best way to bliss like maybe they're like you know may, this sounds quite buddhist of me right but like <laughs> but maybe there is no shortcut well and so yeah and, and the buddhist the buddhist would argue that there is no outcome right so when there is no outcome the process is everything right Right, yeah. and I think, and yeah, that's kind of where I sit. Right, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very process oriented in life. I'm, I'm, you know, I try to be as minimally outcome oriented as possible. But to me, Christianity is a is a super outcome focused theology, and yeah. so I think, where, when you except have that, that the outcome, hard. except that the outcome works backwards, right? Like yeah. because the outcome comes in rather than you getting out to it, right? Like yeah. that's a. And, and and in a sense, the, it's, it's, well, it still has an outcome. In, well, yeah, and in a sense, the process then is actually like learning to receive from God and learning to receive God's love and re- learning to receive actually God in other people, right? Which is a core part of Jesus' teaching yeah. as well. Um, and yet, maybe there's just not a quicker way to discover that actually I'm encountering God in Jamal right now, mm-hmm. or God through Jamal. That um, like may, maybe there's just not a a quicker way to do that than to just to keep practicing and keep realizing more more deeply and deeply or or not mm. um, may, maybe I can't just flick a switch and get that mm. I don't know yeah um, a, a really quick way to do that is to walk into a bar with a Christian or Buddhist like they did one time right, if, if you come every month to our Christian Buddhist in a bar thing in Canberra guaranteed enlightenment right? Guaranteed or, or your money back well, so <laughs> your, your non-existent money that you're not paying us at all this particular time a Christian and Buddhist walked into a bar um, they, they they walked into the bar and they encountered um, sitting on the bar not at the bar on the bar uh, a really really small king oh, so oh like, like a tiny king like, like a 12 inches tall king Okay, so it's shorter than a dwarf king. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so uh, like one of those mini people from Gulliver's Travels kind of type yeah. of king, right? Yeah. And then they ran to this king. They're like, oh, how are you doing? They had a conversation about where they were from and what kind of kingdom they ruled. Um, and, and they eventually got around to kind of going, you know, you, you, you're, you're a 12-inch king. This is, you're pretty, pretty small here. Like, you know, how, how'd you go being a king? Um, and the king just goes, oh, no, it's, it's, it's pretty simple, right? I'm, I'm a terrible terrible king but i make a great ruler hey, hey. yeah did, did he have lines up in it? you should have added that yeah so that, yeah yeah. That would have, yeah 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 there you go yeah good this has been good Jamal. like we've gone i we didn't start where we were thinking of starting. <laughs> i'm not sure we ended anywhere either no and and we certainly the process was not quite what I expected, but I've really enjoyed this one. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you want to hear more of these, you can uh, send ideas for episodes to Christian Buddhist Bar at gmail.com. 
You certainly can. Our music, as always, is by Kevin McLeod, who I heard only ever wears jumpers knitted by Tibetan monks. Well, there you go. Well done, Kevin. Um, and please send this podcast to your friends. Uh, grow the listener base. Uh, they can chime in with their opinions on things and, and tell us why we're wrong. It's great. We love it. <laughs> and, and we'll see you next week where we'll be wrong once again in interesting ways. To me, to me, that, that is, is the best, best example, example of sin in the world, world, right? Sure, sure but, but I, I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure that, a that a good, good benevolent, benevolent monarch. monarch. Yeah, cool, cool. That'll, that'll do. do. To me, that is the best example of sin in the world, right? Sure, sure but I, I'm not sure that a good benevolent monarch. Yeah, cool. That'll do.